This is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where's the snow? Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the announcement. Okay, okay people. Tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Santa here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. So, uh, and so Buddy is this kind of a hybrid. He's, he thinks he's an elf, but he's really a human being. But he is like the most joyful elf ever. If, you, if you've seen the movie... Or even if you have it, the one thing that, that Buddy does, he oozes Christmas spirit. He is a living epitome of that old Andy Williams song that, that older folks know, maybe younger folks know because they play it on the radio this time of year. Uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year with kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I mean, that is uh, this what Buddy was all about. Right, he was the living epitome of Christmas. But what it really is all about is about joy, and joy is defined as the pleasure and the source of pleasure and delight. In other words, joy is something that's in you that no one can take from you, that has absolutely nothing to do with what's going on around you. Now, I, I, I didn't mention this uh, earlier uh, a couple of days ago in our Sunday morning, so let me just. So we're clear, joy and happiness are different things. And they are not the same. I mean, you can be joyful and not be happy. You can be happy and not be joyful. So it's not the same thing. It is joy, is, but happiness is fickle. Happiness depends on how you feel, what's going on, your circumstances, your situation. But joy is something that, that is in you. And it's something that, that you allow to be in you. So here's three questions we're going to answer tonight. We're going to, I'm going to, uh, I want you to start thinking about uh, for the next 15 or 20 minutes and think about during this season. Do you have joy inside of you? That's the qu first question. Do you have joy inside of you? The second question is, does that joy naturally overflow from within you? In other words, does it just come out like Buddy? Third question is, what is that source of joy? Because here's what I know. One of the most difficult seasons to be joyful for a lot of people is Christmas. As crazy as it sounds, you think everyone's, you know, happy, and people are happy at Christmas, but not necessarily joyful. So uh, my daughter is uh, very proud. I told her Monday that I, I told I made her famous. Uh, so I'm going to make do it again. This is the 15 year anniversary. When my daughter was eight, 15 years ago, she had what we still call the Christmas meltdown, and it was epic. And so let me tell you about the Christmas meltdown that pretty much destroyed Christmas in the Aiken house, at least for a little while. So we had some traditions in our house, and one of our traditions was kind of made by necessity. Two kids, we had these two angels that Crystal and I had forever. We don't have either one of them now. And we had these two angels, and so when the kids got old enough, they wanted to start picking the angel. And so we allowed them to start picking the angel. Well, you have to have a system for that. And I would just say, well, I think it was so-and-so last year. So Brittany made a schedule, 
I mean, I'm sorry, Crystal made a schedule, and then she would take a picture. So there's always proof every year of who did the angel. One, one child picked the angel, the other put it on the tree. That's how it worked. And then the next year, it flipped, so they both had a role. Well, it was Brittany's turn to, I don't remember which one it was, but Brittany wanted to pick the angel and put the angel on the tree because she swore last year that's what her brother did. And so Crystal pulls the schedule out, you know, like a mom. Now, Brittany, last year your brother did this and you did it. And she started screaming. She didn't care what was going on. Now, she is. we have in the background Christmas music. So we're decorating our tree, or trying to. Brittany's putting her ornaments on. Alex putting his ornaments on. And we both have, Crystal and I have ornaments uh, that we put on. And then we kind of have the big pile that whoever can put on. So my daughter goes on an epic rant. Screaming, kicking. I mean, she she is not going to have any of it. She is right. We're wrong. It's a conspiracy. Now she didn't know what a conspiracy was eight years old. That's kind of that's what she was describing. Y'all are all just out to get me. Conspiracy. I don't know what that is, but y'all are just out to get me. Yes, we are. And it got so bad that Crystal just got up, hit the off button on the TV. Crystal's music shut down. Said, "I'm out and I'm done." Went to the bedroom. Door slammed shut. Left me and the two in the living room with two ungrateful children. All by myself. And it was most definitely not the most wonderful time of year in our house. And I think sometimes that's kind of what we think Christmas is supposed to be. Everyone's happy. Everyone's getting along. All is good. Kids are always behaving. Parents, we all know how that rolls, right? And sometimes we forget that when the arrival of Jesus into the world was not a Hallmark movie. You know, uh, there's two theories of Hallmark movies. Andy Durrance has a really interesting one of Christmas movies, which I will not share with you right now. But as I begin to watch them, he's pretty close to accurate on most of them. So I have to give him credit for that. But, you know, Hallmark movies, everything always works out. It's beautiful in the end. It's all good. It's kind of like, I, I, I guess it's why I like those at Christmas time, right? And so we've kind of taken the birth of Jesus and made it into this romantic Hallmark movie. And that's kind of what we've done. And we sing all the cool songs and, you know, Wayne in the Manger and all those songs. But let me, let me remind you of what's going on when Jesus is born, okay? Mary and Joseph are legally married but not married married. So I'm sure somewhere along the way we'll talk more about this. I'm sure you've talked about it before. So they were engaged. They were legally married according to the government. But it was a, it'd be a year later they were married married. That makes sense. If it doesn't, I'll explain it to you later. Okay? So they're legally married. They're not married married yet. But she's pregnant. And so there's this scandal going on because here she is. They're legally married, not married married, and she's pregnant. So they're in this scandal right now. And they're being ridiculed. On top of that, they have to go to Bethlehem because that's where Joseph is from, his family's from, very, very pregnant, traveling by donkey, by camel, by walking. We don't know how they got there. We just know that she got there. It's a long and treacherous journey. Jesus was born literally in a barn. His first bed was, you know, the Bible says manger. The, the literal translation is feeding trough. He's, so his first bed's a feeding trough. Wrapped in swaddling cloth sounds really cool until you translate to the Greek and you find out he was wrapped in rags. King of kings, 
laid in a barn, in a feeding trough, wrapped in rags, because that's all they had. On top of all that, there is this maniac who, because Jesus is born, is going to start looking for him. And so in the, over the next couple of years, hundreds upon hundreds of babies, boys, will be slaughtered. And I'm here to tell you that in Bethlehem, there were no kids jingle-belling. There was no, no wishing of any good cheer. Jesus came into the world and horrible things happened. It was not a Hallmark movie. On top of all that, I mean, it, those of you who are around animals, imagine your child coming to the world in a barn. Not the most sanitary place. Not the most great smelling place. Animals stink. Cows don't smell so good. And, and they do stuff. They don't smell so good. That's where Jesus came into the King of Kings, came into the world in horrible circumstances. But despite that, when Jesus came to the world, joy came into the world. And so for the first time ever, really ever, there was this, this thing called, into this world called joy that people didn't really understand. And so we're going to look at the night that joy came into the world, and we're going to be in Luke 2. We're going to camp there tonight. And, and we're going to look at this through the, the eyes of the shepherds. Okay, so look to you, see these words. Uh, beginning verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So let's stop there. Let's talk about the shepherds. So in Israel, if you were a shepherd, you were at the bottom of the social food chain. No one cared about you. No one liked you. No one, you, you just didn't matter. Shepherds, could not go into the temple. Which is really interesting when you consider that the greatest king in Israel, uh, David, was a shepherd first. That they, you would think they would have a higher opinion of shepherds. But they didn't like shepherds. So shepherds were despised. So if you're the son of a shepherd, this is your life. As soon as you're old enough to do it, you, you go with the sheep go. Day after day, night after night, week after week, month after month, year after year, you, your family, and sheep. And that's your life. And I would imagine that some of us can probably relate to that on some level. Though you may not be with sheep every day, but um, maybe this sounds like your life. You go to work, you, you get to work, and there's emails to answer, there's phone calls to be returned, there's meetings to go to, you go through the day, you accomplish Something you think, and then you look back and realize you really have all the stuff you didn't get around to do. And the cool thing is, after you do all these things, you get to go home, get up, come back the next day, and do them all over again. And then you get to go home, get up, and do them all over again. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. You know, teachers, we always say, well, at least their faces change every year. But I've talked to enough teachers to know this. It's pretty much the same. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. The faces change. Problems stay the same. People stay the same. Parents stay the same. Frustrations stay the same. And so you kind of feel like you're in this, this loop that just, and you feel stuck like a shepherd. You know, there are people in life that really don't like Christmas, and that's kind of hard for me to, to believe, but there are people that don't like Christmas, and every year there are people, and I know some, that they have the great debate. Are we really going to put a tree up? Because we're just going to take it down in a month. Are we really going to put lights up? I mean, because they're they going down in a month. Now, my daughter keeps them up year-round, so that she's the that's different. 
And my brother's got a tree slicing out of his closet. That's he, They're both different, though. So, but there are people that when Christmas comes, it's, it's not, it doesn't feel like the most wonderful time of the year. Here we go again, same old stuff. Every year, same old stuff. Same old thing. Same old Christmas. Put the tree up, we put the lights up, we, put, we decorate, we have all the stuff, and then we've got to put it all down and do it all over again. First Christmases without someone special are really hard. We've all been there. And they don't feel the same. And so because they don't feel the same, we kind of feel like, you know, maybe it's not the most wonderful time of the year, but remember, it's not about what's going on outside. It's what's going on inside of us. And so here's what I know for a fact. This is what happened when Jesus showed up in the world. Joey took an ordinary life, and he turned it to an extraordinary life. So let me say this up front before I say anything else. If you're a Christian, there is nothing ordinary about your life. There's nothing ordinary about you. If you're a Christian, you're extraordinary. You're extraordinary by, by baptism. You're extraordinary by being a child of the King of Kings. You're extraordinary because Jesus gave his life for you. You're extraordinary because he made you holy. You're extraordinary because he made, gave you value. You are extraordinary. There's nothing ordinary about a Christ follower. Nothing. Your circumstances may be ordinary, but you are extraordinary. And that's because joy came to the world. And that's what the shepherds learned. So we can learn a lesson from them. So let's, let's keep on reading our story. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. These are the shepherds doing the same old stuff, same old mundane stuff. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I would be too. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, the Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah of the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, rags, lying in a manger, feeding trough. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those in whom his favor rests. So let me stop for a minute. Every children's play I've ever seen in my life, everyone I've ever been a part of, there's an angel choir. This is not a choir. This is an army. Angels are, 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 I mean, you have to think of angels like military. This is not a choir. This is an army. An army of angels shows up. That's what a heavenly host is. It's an army of angels that shows up, and they just happen to sing. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So, here's the deal. 600 and some odd years, depending on who you read and who you talk to. So, 600 years before this night, there was a prophecy that Jesus would arrive. For 600 years, there's a remnant in Israel, and we're going to talk a lot more about that next Christmas, actually. There's a remnant in Israel that spent their whole life looking and waiting for the return of the King of Kings. That was all. That was their life. That was their life. Every day they got out of bed and said, today will be the day. And when he didn't come back, they said, you know what? He didn't come today, but tomorrow will be the day. Generation after generation after generation, 600 years. Well, for the last 400 of those 600 years, Heaven went silent. God did not speak through a prophet. God did not, uh, history tells us, did not directly intervene in, in human 
events like he had done through the Old and New Testament. For 400 years, heaven was solid. And for 400 years, there was a remnant in Israel that believed that one day the Messiah would return. And 400 years later, on a night in Bethlehem, on a hillside, God chose shepherds, not religious leaders, not rich people, not government people. He chose the lowest of low to tell the world that Jesus had arrived. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people Day in the town of David, a Savior's been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Good news of great joy. This is my favorite two verses in the Bible. And it's not even close. Because we understand that the arrival of Jesus ushered joy into the world. And joy is something that is inside of you that no one has permission to take from you. Nobody can take it from you. And if it's in you, it has to come out. And that elf movie is a tad obnoxious. But in real life, joy should just exude from who you are. And it's not being happy. It's being joyful. Joy came into the world. He turned ordinary lives into extraordinary lives. So it reminds you again, if you're a Christian, if you're a child of the king, there is nothing ordinary about you. You are special not because of what we did, but because of who Jesus was and what he did for us. Joy turns an ordinary life to an extraordinary life. But the other thing is that joy is based on truth. Joy is based on the truth of the gospel. In other words, joy is not just something you hear about. It is based on actual facts. So let's read on. So they, this is the shepherds, they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger, the feeding trough. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So their natural reaction when meeting Jesus was to go tell people. There's a story there. We'll, get, we'll work our way there eventually. But Mary, here's the important part. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard, seen and heard, which were just as they'd been told. Those are the important words, which were just as they had been told. So my wife, who we are now one week from her triumphant return to Sylvania for good, no more going up down the road. But in a week she'll come home. She has two movies that are her favorite movies. Remember the Titans and the Grave Showman. Two movies that got nothing to do with one another. Okay, she's got the soundtrack to both in her car. So remember the Titans is, is one, the movie I like to watch with her. Grave Showman, Showman, that's a whole other story. She conned me into going to that. But anyway, so... Remember the Titans tells the story, right, of the football team and their rise and racial tension and what they overcame. It's an amazing story. But if you read the book, you do some research, what you know is that that movie it, it took two years and condensed it into one season. And then they rearranged the season. And then they made the games more dramatic than they really were because they blew every team away. There's a scene in the state championship game where they run a trick play and win the state championship on the last play of the game. Sounds cool, but in real life, they beat the brakes off the team they played in the state championship. But that's not a really good movie. You see, what Hollywood does is they go based on an actual story, based on true events. They do this disclaimer, and basically means the story's got truth to it, but what we're going to do 
is we're going to switch things up. We're going to change events. We're going to throw some stuff in. We're going to take some stuff out. We're going to juice it up a little bit because that sells. The Greatest Showman is the story of P.T. Barnum. It says it's based on a true story, and it is based on a true story because P.T. Barnum was one of the founders of Barnum and Bailey, right? And I, I don't know if you've ever been, but it's a, I went to one of the, when their last tour, I got to go. Really cool. But, Pete, but if you've seen the movie, and I have, whole another story. Uh, I didn't know it was a musical until I got there, or I wouldn't have gone. But anyway, and so in real life, P.T. Barnum, he was, he was a scoundrel. He was a crook. He was a liar. And he was not the nicest human being. But in the movie, he's painted to be this philanthropist, benevolent guy. Because that sells. And I don't think they do all that singing and stuff anyway. You know, I'm not sure about all that anyway. But see, when it comes to the Bible, nothing's been changed. They didn't have to juice it up because it's pretty juicy on its own two feet, right? Jesus came to the world. He showed up. That's pretty awesome. The story's been told for 2,000 plus years and the story's never changed. In any translation of any Bible, you will find the story's the same. Because the story is based on the truth. So here's the truth in a nutshell. There was a baby born in Bethlehem. His name was Jesus. He came to the world to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins, which means he came into the world to fulfill the covenant that God made with man. Man broke the covenant. Jesus came in to redeem the covenant. That's the Easter thing. We'll talk about that at Easter. Jesus was born of a virgin, which means his mama was a virgin. He was the son of a carpenter. He lived a sinless life. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. What it means to be sinless. What it means to be perfect. Never, ever, ever, for one split second, did he have an inappropriate thought. Now, just think about that for a second. I can have ten thoughts before I get across the street, depending on who I'm talking to on the phone. And how this conversation is going. Especially with one of my kids. Never an inappropriate word. Never done anything done out of a vicious anger. Never a thought that went sideways. Sinless and perfect. Because that's the way it had to be. He was God in flesh and blood. And, and so understand this. He wasn't a baby born who became God. He was God when he was born. Fully God, fully human, 100% God, 100% human. Can't explain it. Not going to try. And if someone's, if you want to go buy a book and they can explain it, I'm going to just save you the trouble. Don't waste your money because they don't know either. Beyond understanding. I don't have to understand it. So I'm good with that. He was and is the Savior of the world and witnesses say that He rose from the dead. 500 at one time see Him. And here's the deal. I don't know if you're, if you're kind of like this, but one of the things I like to do like at Easter and Christmas, I, I watch the History Channel. Now, I haven't started watching it yet because I like to see what they have to say. And here's what, if you watch the History Channel, see a special about Jesus and about the, His birth, here's what they'll tell you. They will tell you that there was a baby born in Bethlehem named Jesus. History will tell you that. They will tell you that He rose to be a rabbi. They will tell you that He died on a cross. They will tell you 
that witnesses claim that he rose from the dead. They may deny that he is Lord, but they do not deny he exists, and they do not deny anything about him. Joy is based on truth. And the truth is that Jesus came to die for us. And so, you have to understand, with a manger, there's a cross. And they go hand in hand. Because without the cross, there is no manger. Without the manger, there is no cross. They fit hand in hand. The cross at Christmas doesn't look so cool, but it's a part of the story. The manger doesn't fit at Easter, but it's a part of the story. The truth is that Jesus came into the world, joy came to the world when Jesus arrived in the world. Joy came when Jesus arrived, and our lives would never be the same again because He is the source of real joy. It's not Christmas spirit because that comes and goes. Um, I have spent most of December by myself, and I'm good. Not because I'm alone, but because of what's inside of me. I'm good. She's good. We're good. And it's not because of our circumstances or our situation. It's because of who is in us. Happy? Eh, not all the time. Joyful? Most all the time. And that's the deal with joy. Joy doesn't have to be about your circumstances, your situation, or what's going on in your life. It's not about your feelings. It is about who is in you. So let's end with the same three questions we started with, and it's really simple. Do you have joy inside of you? As you approach the Christmas season, start thinking about that. Do you have real joy inside of you? Because if you do, does that joy naturally overflow from within you? It should. That's how you know if you have joy in you, it comes out. And if nothing's coming out, there's nothing in there worth coming out. And what is the source of that joy? A baby is born in Bethlehem to be the source of joy in our life. And, and joy means that whatever is going on around me, He's in me, and that's good enough. And that'll be enough. So who is living in you? Let's pray. Lord, we are... Um, um, we're grateful for this season that we celebrate the arrival of Jesus into the world. We are thankful that this thing called joy that Paul talks about, that it's all over the New Testament, has nothing to do with what's going on around us and everything to do with who lives inside of us. Sometimes, it's easy to lose joy because we get so caught up in all of our stuff. So this season remind us all what Christmas is all about. And it's not about the decorations. It's not about the tree. It's not about the family stuff. It's not about the church services. Those things are all awesome to do. It's about a baby born in Bethlehem that changed the world and wants to change our world and our life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.